right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always, with me today is Mr. Jake Peters, the Slapshot King, and we are P.S. This is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 226, and this is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we go on with the show, I want to invite you all, please subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash Awesome. Go visit us on Twitter at PS is Awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PSN, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. As always, you can write our show, PS this is Awesome at gmail.com. And don't forget to share the show with your friends. Make sure to leave comments, rate our podcast as you see fit to help us get into the ears and eyes of all of the listeners out there. So, for new and or long-time listeners, we do have a Patreon where you can support the show at a $1 a month level called the One and Only $1 Club. Head over to patreon.com slash awesome, and you can become a $1 patron, get a free die-cut vinyl sticker, and a shout-out on the show. Jacob, how are you today? On We are a day late, but we told you we're going to be late, so we're actually, we're right on time. Right on time. How are you? Uh... Barely conscious, but I'm okay. I it's been a really, really, really long weekend. So <laughs> I'm. I actually took today off of work specifically to recover from the weekend. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I couldn't tell you the last time I spent this much time laying on a couch. That when I've not been sick, and you probably didn't even have it in you to game, right? You're just too exhausted. No, I did. Oh, wow. I did. I that was one of the things I did to kind of I mean, I I can I can game when I'm tired. Ugh. It's actually harder for me to game when I'm sick. But okay. uh yeah, it, as long as it doesn't require too much. Like if it was a puzzle game or something that required too much of my like focused attention, then maybe mm. I would have trouble with it, <laughs> but um yeah, I, I was I did actually play quite a bit. I actually I watched a lot of TV today, but I did play quite a bit of video games too. How was hockey? You went to Nashville to play hockey because you're a you're yeah. So Nashville. have you ever been to Nashville? Yeah, I've been there. Have you ever been down to Broadway like at night? Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, any, I haven't been there in like ten years or longer. So yeah. I mean, so. So I I mean I maybe but so for those of you that don't know Broadway is a street in downtown Nashville that has like it's like a few blocks it's not even the the section of Broadway is not even that long it's like maybe 3 or 4 blocks mm. but both sides of the street are literally back to back just bars mm-hmm. and they're most of them are multi-story bars Almost every single one of them has live music happening. Uh, and we were there on Friday night. And so it was... I've never seen this many people in one place in my entire life. It, it blows my mind. Like we, just to give you an example, like a lot of famous people have bars on Broadway in Nashville because it's so insane. And so like Kid Rock has a bar there. And we didn't go inside of it, but we went to the bar next door, which has like it has multiple stories and then there's a rooftop bar Mm. so we walked all the way up to the rooftop bar and we're just like looking out over this looking out over kid rocks bar which was next door which was bigger than the bar that we were in and you can see on the street 
there was just this enormous line of people waiting to get into the bar. And then there was five stories and every single story was completely open. Like the sides were all open. Mm -hmm. It was just big windows. And you could see every single story was completely fucking packed with people. And the whole top of the bar was packed with people. And this is just one bar. And there was probably like... I don't know, 30 bars on that street, yeah. maybe 40 bars. And every single one of them, I mean, there was a couple that didn't have live music or a DJ that weren't quite as packed. But, and on top of that, the street is fucking packed with people going back and forth between all these bars. So, I mean, I went down there just to, that's not really my scene. I, I, I think it's cool to experience, but it's not something that I'm going to like do on the reg because. It's, I mean, first of all, it's expensive, but then like getting in and out of anywhere, not to mention, you know, if you're worried about getting sick or COVID or anything like that, um, on top of that freaking, you know, everybody's wasted. Mm. Uh, and the one thing that I will say is if you, um, if you are interested in a in acquiring some companionship <laughs> fucking nashville holy hell that place is it's like the capital of like bright uh bachelorette parties like in the fucking country we we went we went down to broadway it was literally like mostly it seemed like it was mostly bachelorette parties just like tons and tons of women like getting ready to get married with their fucking sashes and all the shit. And uh, yeah, man, it was bananas. But that's not well. The reason why I'm exhausted is because I played four hockey games in 36 hours and I basically spent m most of that time, you know, hanging out with the guys and drinking and eating food and all kinds of shit. So mm. not to mention it's a 10 hour drive to get down there. So, but yeah, it was a really, really fun weekend. I hope maybe we can do it again next year, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, I played Nashville one time and it was at a venue. I'm looking at it now. It was called hair of the dog. I was trying to figure out where it was in Nashville. It was part of the scene scene. I found this thing called like uh I don't know. It was like concert history of Hair of the Dog and Monine was on there and uh, Murder by Death. And we played this place called Hair of the Dog. I don't even know that it's even there anymore, honestly. There's a site called NashvilleScene.com. I was I, – did I just lose you? Well, let's just quit talking about Nashville scene and uh, – Talk a little bit about games, which is what we're here for. I'm going to try to edit that bull crap out. That'll take another 30 minutes tonight. <laughs> so annoying. Anyways, Jake, games that we're playing. For those new to the show, we usually kick off the show with games that we're currently diving into. Jake got some video gaming in today on a couch. And uh, I posted this on Twitter, but I will talk about it publicly now. I... Uh, picked up the Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes for like 18 bucks. Supermassive is behind that, the, the same company who's doing the quarry. And uh, also, I've been rocking Grand Theft Auto V online quite a bit still. I now have 
$1,250,000 and I need $2 million to get the Dr. Dre mission. So thanks to the help from LJ. And this is another call to arms for all the PS. This is awesome people who play Grand Theft Auto online. Our crew is PSTA. Find it. Find me. Let's do some heist. Let's make some money. I want to play the Dr. Dre missions. I'm not paying a dollar for it in real life. So I did put a little blurb on the Patreon for our patrons there yesterday, just thanking them again for being patient with us and uh, talking about how I'm trying to recruit people for my, for my, I don't know, my motorcycle club on GTA 5 online. But Dark Pictures Anthology, I'll talk real quick about this, Jake, and then I want to hear about what you're playing. So this is the third installment. We had Man of Medan, and then we had a game called Little Hope. And uh, I played that one with your brother. I might have even played Man of Man Dan with him. I'm not sure. But so this – I'm – these games are becoming more and more seemingly like just narrative stories that have quick time events and you're just picking things up and your decisions do have consequences – so, for all the people that shit on The Order 1886 that like these games, you should go back and play The Order 1886 because it had more what I would perceive as gameplay than the Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes. However, I will say that this is by and large my favorite one so far. And it's interesting. At first, it didn't grab me. I'll do a little setup for the listeners without spoiling anything. Essentially, we're back to the whatever. I think it was Desert. Was it Desert Storm where we were after Saddam Hussein? Was it Desert Storm? What's that? Desert Storm. Is that when the U.S. was going after Saddam Hussein? I mean, that was the first altercation with him, I believe. Well, I yes. think it might be taking place around that time period. So um, what it – what it essentially is is that the game starts off in the past where you are controlling some character way back in the Egyptian time or something, you know. And uh, essentially it seems like they were they were doing like sacrifices or something to the gods. And then you make a couple decisions. Long story short, fast forward to the current and you're part of – a group of soldiers, uh, I think there's a mar- some Marines, some soldiers or whatever, and you're stationed out in Iraq, I believe, and you are looking for weapons of mass destruction, and they're talking about Saddam, and uh, uh, one of the characters in the game it, like programs some sort of app, and they're like, oh yeah, I know, this is where they are, you can tell the, the, the they're underground, this is where it is. So you and a crew of people go out. And you start canvassing this area and uh, things don't quite go like you plan and the ground open up, opens up and you and your partners on this mission um, end up underground and in this ancient essential – essentially like underground – I don't know what you would call it, like dungeon or lair or worship lair or whatever where they held these old sacrifices back in the day. These blood sacrifices to like these gods, and you're down in there, and then the suspension of disbelief is good enough. That you're like, oh shit, I could see how this might might actually be a thing, you know. And it gets creepy, and then like gets wilder and wilder, and, and you venture deeper and deeper into this thing with this group of soldiers. 
and within the group that you're in, there's there's a little love triangle going on, and it makes sense the way they deliver it. You know, I, I'm not a fan necessarily per se that had to be in there. And then you have different characters. Um, you actually, as a single, you can play it alone and make the decisions from the perspective of all the characters, or probably like they're doing with the quarry, play online with different people and have them control other people at the same time. But you do get to make some decisions for a couple of the Iraqi soldiers that are down there with you, which is a whole other dichotomy down there because you know your your uh, your main squad is with the United States, and then there's a section of Iraqi soldiers that are underground, and then there's also like an unnamed threat element down in the depths, and uh, you're all just trying to essentially survive. And you're finding these old relics. There was an excavation crew that had been down there. You find old remnants, and you start uncovering journals and shit. And uh, it's actually really good in the frame of the story, in the way that it's presented. It's very picturesque and, and movie picture-like. I think I'm pretty close to finishing it on this run-through, and I might go back and visit it. And as the quarry will, I'm sure, and as the previous Dark Pictures Anthology games do, as you make decisions, they give you this interface where you can kind of see not necessarily the direct correlation of the decisions you made and how it affected, but it but it'll be like, oh, so and so decided that they could trust so and so, and you're like, oh, okay, I must have worded things a certain way to gain this person's trust, and there it seems like on this this game like those decisions that you make as a player have undoubtedly uh, an impact on things that happen later on in the game. Like, I've lost a couple characters now that I believe that could still be with my crew and have huge narrative arcs and stuff with, but they they died early on just because of dumb decisions I made. Or So you were talking about earlier being able to play games when you're tired but not when you're sick. This game isn't making me tired. I've, I've gotten back into my running routine, so I've been running a lot lately down at the track. So uh, I feel like when I get home, I have all this energy, but then it like hits me like a wave, and I just get really tired. So like I've caught myself like trying to plow through this game, and the problem is is like they don't really tell you when a quick time event's coming up because you're just kind of watching this thing unfold. And there's some other stuff like clearly you control the characters; it gives you free reign to control them and and sandboxy areas to go explore and search. And then I just picked up on something recently that if you run into an area that you can interact with, if it's going to put you into the next segment of the story, it's got all these little arrows next to it. The other ones don't. So when I started playing this game, I would run into interact things, uh, interactive uh, things on the, on the, in the game, or I guess in the level or in the sandbox. I was just like running up to everything and just clicking it, clicking, clicking it. And then I like was cutting myself out of that area quicker than I meant to. And the game doesn't really explain that like the one with all the little arrows means you're going to the next section of the game. So it, it ties in whatever you're looking at. It'll like cut to like a cutscene, and they're like, okay, you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. And then you walk away, but there's still shit flashing behind you. Like, oh fuck, I shouldn't have clicked on this one yet. So I find myself in that situation a couple times, but now I figured it out. I'm starting to get all the relics and all the things now that I'm into the game. But um, I'm not even sure where I was going with that, but it's it's good. And uh, I'm really enjoying the story, and I'm curious to see how this thing wraps up. And uh, I probably will try it again. It's really fun. $17 mm. worth for sure. I mean, the, the, some of the voice acting is a little, a little weak, a little weak sauce, but the... 
and it's a little janky here and there, but overall, it's pretty damn polished. It's pretty good. Of all the games that they've done in that series, House of Ashes seemed to have the most interesting story to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, I'm, I'm, But I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to play it because I've played the first two and they've got me, you know, and I'm excited for the quarry. So I just thought maybe I would dive into this thing and just get a taste of it because it, it reviewed the best out of all of them online and I like it. And then Grand Theft Auto Five, I can already talked about that. I'm just uh, – I have a warehouse that I purchased that I have a bunch of uh, – medical supplies and antiques and gemstones and stuff that I'm slowly pumping in there. And then uh, what I'm also doing is I have a meth lab that I'm running as a motorcycle club president and uh, I'm trying to stock up. And the way that you stock up is you have to get supplies for your meth lab. So you can either purchase supplies or you can go steal supplies in the open map in the free in the free mode. And uh, as you're stealing supplies to soup up your meth lab – all the other uh, online players in that lobby are informed that you're trying to steal supplies to fund your meth operation, and they can come intercede and try to fuck you up. And so it depends on the lobbies that you're in. Sometimes they're just distracted in their own shit, and then they don't even care, but sometimes they're just on you, and it's like makes it really tough. So you can steal supplies for your meth lab or whatever operation you have going on. As long as the supply bar is full, um, that lab will continue to produce product and, and the more product you have in there at any given time, you can actually get raided by the police and get all this different stuff happening. But so you got to be calculated about when you want to go sell. And when you sell the product, you're in that free mode again. And all of your hard work is on the fucking line because, you know, the guy calls up your character. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to fucking do. Uh, I've got these box trucks. You got to go steal. And, and the, the timer starts. It's like 25 minutes and counting. And like, you got to go race around Vice City or whatever city you're in. Los Santos or wherever and all the other players in that free mode are informed that you're trying to sell your meth and if they kill you and they destroy your product they get bonuses so it creates this fucking tension so that's why I need people because I've got all this shit saved up that I've dumped all this time into and the more stuff you sell in a run the way more money you can make but it becomes way more dangerous because all the other players in free mode are aware of what you're trying to do. So you either get lucky or you don't. And uh, it's the same for selling antiques and stuff. It's the same shit. You got a warehouse and you can stock. I, my warehouse, I paid as little as possible for it. I can stock about 15, 15 pallets worth of stolen goods. And it's all legal shit, but gotten in an illegal way. Like I'm not. Solo, I'll get in free mode and, and I'll just be like, go to my CEO headquarters and I'll be like, okay, um, I'm going to pay $8,000 for a lead for two crates of antiquities. And then you get a phone call when you leave the CEO office and it's like, okay, uh, your assistant is like, all right, so, uh, you know, I think they're trying to give us a slip, check your phone. And then your phone comes up and it has a tracker and there's like three random vehicles in free mode that are just going around. And you have to go find the ones that have the shit in them, knock them off, and get it back to the warehouse without getting attacked and killed by the other people in the free mode. So it's like you can run these solo missions, and once you build up a lot, like you're like, oh fuck, now I gotta now I gotta sell this stuff, resell it, and like that's where I'm kind of that's where I get kind of tied up because like there's a lot on the fucking line, and uh, I need a crew to help me, like help protect me, and uh, doing it solo is pretty 
is pretty badass when you can do it. But when you lose all that, you lose all that hard work that I've dumped into it to try to get to this two million mark. So again, call out to other players that play Grand Theft Auto Five online. Come help me sell my shit, and uh, I will give you a cut of something. I'll, you know, yeah, I can give some cash to you on there, but I, I really need to take the majority of it. I want to play Doctor Emissions. It's really fun, man. I think you would actually enjoy that part of it. it and it's just some really funny shit that happens. Like, I would, we, LJ and I were trying to steal this Valkyrie helicopter for a heist, preparation for a heist. And uh, I was on a speed bike, and I got into the airport, and I'm just riding. And uh, I hit, like, this this buildup of a mineral deposit or coal or something. There's like, a pile of, like, it looked like a natural resource. I'm like... From a distance, he just saw my motorcycle just shoot right into the air. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I landed in the water. And uh, needless to say, we failed the mission because I just got shot up in the water. But um, it's it's just some really funny just things that just naturally happen in that game that make it really fun to play with other people. Just stupid stuff, you know, especially when you're getting chased down by cops or other people are fucking with you. And, like, you know, you have – there's, there's, you got some stake on the line. You got some, some teeth in the game and skin in the game, and and you're trying to move these things and make this money and do these, you know, little missions. And people are trying to intercede and interfere, and uh, you're in a car with someone else, and you're just trying to like escape them. And like, uh, people just fucking bail out where you're going ninety down the highway, like your teammate. Like, I think at one point LJ just jumped out of the car, and then as he was coming out, he got smacked by another car. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? You know, we we're getting chased. I did some stupid shit, too. I think that that happened. I really do think that he jumped out of the car prematurely or something. It was really funny. And uh, we were both dying laughing. So it's a fun time. I don't know, man. It's a really fun time. It sounds like it. I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five. I've always thought, was a really fun game. Mm. Um, and I would probably have... I think I probably there would be times when I would have fun mm. playing cooperatively with other people. Oh, it's a blast. Um, I just don't like people like other people just fucking with my stuff. Yeah, like I that that's well that's there's two re- there's I mean it's it's that and just the whole uh, logistics of playing with other people. Because nine times out of ten, when other people are playing games, that's not when I play video games. I don't play video games in the evening. Right. So unless somebody else wants to play video games with me at 6.30 in the morning, I'm not going to play video games with somebody else, right. unfortunately. But it does – I've always, like, watched videos and stuff of GTA Online, and it looks like a blast. Oh, it's awesome. It's really cool, too. Like, if, if you start stealing cars and modding cars and, like, you get these really cool-looking rides, man – and uh, take them to the LS car swap meet or whatever. And they have this cool thing where if you if you have a, a vehicle that you stole or whatever and uh, you put a, a tracker on it and you pay for insurance and it's essentially yours and you can have as many cars as you own garages. So you can take these cars to what's called like the LS car meet, Los Santos car meet or car swap or something. And you show up and you pay like 50000 in-game cash to be a part of this. And uh, when you show up with your car, your car apparently is there. And anyone in that lobby who's part of the LS car meet can go into that lobby, go into the car meet and look at your car and talk to the organizer of the car meet, which is an NPC, and be like, I want that car because it's fucking dope. And then if they decide to buy it, they you get the cash for it. But you still keep your car 
So it's like you get like credit for making an awesome ride. Like if if you make a ride so cool that someone else wants it and you take it to the Ellis Car Meet, then they can buy a replica of that ride and you get the cash for it, which is really cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's awesome. So there's a lot of cool little features in this game that I'm slowly uncovering and enjoying. It's no it's no surprise to me how well this has been doing this game after getting into it and understanding it and how fun it is and the replayability. It's, it's really, it's really, really good. Um, and I hate, I hate to be one of those people that kind of just poo poo on it because like it's GTA and it's like, Oh, I get a slapstick humor. It's just fucking annoying. It's so stupid. It's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there's, there's the Mm -hmm. whole, there's the whole optics thing of, Oh, you're playing Grand Theft Auto. Of course you are. You know, it's almost like the new call of duty. It's like, of course you're playing Grand Theft Auto. You know, that's the game everyone fucking plays, but yeah, man, it's, there's a reason it's really good. It's really fun. So I'm enjoying it. I'm glad I'm enjoying it. Jake, what are you playing? Um, I beat, I beat, uh, guardians of the galaxy. Mm. So I'm done with that. Mm -hmm. I play, I'm playing just kind of, casually you know when i'm bored or something a little bit more of laura croft go but mainly i've been playing well i haven't i haven't played other than today i haven't played anything since thursday because i've been out of town but i was but i have been playing mass effect 2 yeah so i haven't started i'm probably about at this point like i don't know a little over seven hours into it so um, moving along pretty good, but the game's got a lot to it, so I still got a long ways to go. But it's really good. I enjoy it. There's a lot of stuff about the game that I that like. I don't remember a lot of what I'm playing, which is awesome because the last time I played the game was I'm trying to think when it came out. So was that like 2000? 10 or 11 something like that i think so mass effect 2 mass effect 2 came out january 26th of 2010 so that was the last time i played it was right after it came out uh and so you know 12 years later i'm playing through this game again and i played it on pc before now i'm playing it on playstation and i imported my save so i have my character from before it's saved all of my decisions from the last game it like carries there's some stuff that i i didn't know was the case like Mm. it carries over some of your resources and money and stuff yeah which is neat uh so that's cool and then i've been kind of getting to know like the new characters and it's a little bit like the the like relationship and interaction stuff is a little bit more in depth actually it's quite a bit more in depth in the second game. Okay. One of the things that I really like about it is that they got rid of the fucking Mako because I hated it. And they replaced it with like this mini game where you like scan planets and drop probes for resources. And some people might not like it because it can be a little bit tedious. Basically like the way that it works is that they've kind of remade the inventory system a little bit where you can get upgrades for your weapons and your character and your armor, and you can get new guns and new armor and all this stuff. And then you have a research lab on your ship. And in order to unlock those items, you have to 
do the research, which costs these resources that you get from mining these planets with these probes. And then whenever you uh, unlock it, though, you can just apply it to any character. Okay. Like you don't have to you don't have to buy like 16 assault rifles if you have like 16 characters and you want each one of them to have that same rifle. So they take away a little bit of like the traditional Western RPG aspect where you're like assigning you know, individual items to each character and all that. And that becomes a little bit more transparent, but, uh, it's still, I I think it's still very much an RPG, but it does feel that, that aspect of it feels a little bit lighter. It feels like more of the RPG is based around the character building in terms of the relationships and the dialogue and stuff like that. And a little less in terms of, inventory management and and that although that stuff is still there uh it still has the same like start menu but it does because it doesn't have a traditional inventory screen anymore it that was like the worst part of the menus from the first game was the the inventory screen was just fucking terrible Mm. and in this game there's a there when you enter like an area where you like like get off your ship or whatever and you're walking around you have the ability to change your loadout and then sometimes there are areas within a a map where you can change your loadout but you can't just like go in your inventory at any time and just willy-nilly change items in and out um which may be frustrating to some people but in the first game i never fucking used that yeah so i just like Basically, when I I you weren't finding new and interesting items often enough for that to be really important. Like it doesn't like if you change your loadout like at the beginning of a mission, that's probably fine because you know it's not like it's Diablo or Borderlands or something where you're constantly picking up new items and you want to swap shit out and see what works. Yeah, Mass Effect is more about building the character and the dialogue and the relationships and all of that stuff. So I'm. Pretty excited that I'm playing it. I'm a little overwhelmed, I'm going to be honest, because they, like, firehose you with shit to do. Like, right after the game opens up and you get, like, full control of the ship and you can travel and everything, it's just, like, they immediately give you, like, fucking ten missions to do. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm excited oh, my to God. Jump into it. Dude, it's it's really good. I, I am looking forward to to playing more of it. I've got to, to be honest. House of Ashes before I dive in. Um but I will. I'll get into it. So we're going to have a spoiler cast. If you guys want to hear about what we talked about as far as the first Mass Effect, we have a bonus spoiler episode that you can check out on our YouTube channel or on this streaming platform you're listening to us on now. We'll talk about Mass Effect. Jake, is that all that you've been playing? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, let's put an advertisement on real quick for the listeners, Jake, and we'll be back to jump into the news. We're going to talk about the the PlayStation State of Play that just occurred this past week and our quick takes and hot takes on everything that was announced there and our excitement for it. So check this out, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome to the PS This Is Awesome Patreon page. For those of you that don't know, my name is Fred Oakman. And I'm Jake Peters. And we're a PlayStation podcast currently in our 10th year. Our first episode aired in July of 2012, where we discuss and speculate on the arrival of the PS4. Over the years, we've used this podcast to take a break from adulting, share our love of video games, and in particular, PlayStation. 
The audio podcast is available on all major streaming services, and we have recently made the leap to uploading video content and video podcasting to our YouTube channel, as well as the very occasional Twitter post or live stream. Over the years, we have covered everything from PS3 to PS Vita through the launches of PS4, PSVR, and now PS5. As our audience has grown over the years, we have decided to start this Patreon with the hopes of creating a medium in which we can give you the opportunity to help support our show. And as a test bed, we're starting with a single tier. It's called the one and only $1 Club. So with your support at the $1 level, we're going to mail you a premium vinyl cut sticker and give you a shout out on the podcast. But at this time, unfortunately, we can only ship to the U.S. and Canada. But this is subject to change depending on your interest. So whether you're new to the show or you're a frequent flyer, we are forever thankful for your support and hope you can find it in your little gaming heart to join us in the one and only $1 Club. Until next time, like PlayStation, Podcasting, and Patreon, P.S. This is awesome. All right, we're back. Jake, let's talk about the PlayStation State of Play. I know you were en route to Nashville when this happened. I've got some notes pulled up. I got a lot of the uh, notes about the State of Play from Push Square. Now, I did watch it. I watched it live as it was happening. Um, but in no particular order, mainly the order that they talked about it on the Push Square site because I didn't take notes when I watched it. Um, they announced some stuff, Jake. One of the big, One of the big announcements... I think this was the first announcement that they made, was that Resident Evil 4 is coming to PS5 next year, and it's a remake. So the first gameplay and story details have been slightly released here. Um, it looks fantastic. I've never played the original game, um, so I'm actually really excited for this because I've really been enjoying I did Resident Evil 2 and 3. I loved 7. I loved the village, or village rather, and I'm excited because I think apparently Resident Evil 4 is supposed to be one of the better Resident Evil games. You've never played Resident Evil 4? No. Never have. I'm, I'm hopping on for the Resident for Evil the audio For the audio listeners, I'm shaking my head and looking disapprovingly at Fred through the webcam. As far as I know, I haven't. You and I played one once on PS3. Resident that was Resident Evil five? five or six, I don't yeah. know. But Resident Evil Four is widely considered the best one. It's really long from what I hear. Yeah. What's long? I mean, you know, is it between twenty and thirty hours? Maybe. I don't fucking remember. Jeez. It's been a long time since I played. The new it, Resident Evils are really, really short. Well they're short. Village wasn't short. But uh Seven was shorter. Yeah. It was like you know six or eight hours long, if I remember correctly. But um, Resident Evil Four is awesome. This I did watch the state of play. So this, just so we could, I could have something to talk about. This uh, game looks, it looks good. I, I'm really excited for it because the like I said, that game is really good, and I'm excited to play that game again, just with better graphics. And the the controls from Resident Evil 2 Remake. Because yeah. it still had, not like the tank controls, but still very like clumsy aiming controls whenever you play the original version. So I'm really stoked to play this. And it comes out March 24th, right? So Oh, they gave a date, huh? Yeah, that's like literally the first thing that they put on the screen. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of confusing because they had a picture of a PS5 console. 
And then I said March. So before, before we get too much farther in this to talk or talking about the state of play, yeah. I need to reiterate. And if anybody from fucking Japan is listening, why are – and this might be a cultural divide. Why are Japanese game developers so fucking terrible at making game trailers uh. and ads for video games? Because they, they did this shit where it's just like it just brings the date up and then it's like Resident Evil f- and then it's like and then it's like Resident Evil 4 and it, like over and over again. And then it's like some fucking footage and then it'll show like a splash screen and then there'll be some like smash cut to like some really short quip about the game that maybe they think is something that's impactful. But like when I watch it, I'm like, OK, and then it like goes to like some other thing. And I don't, dude, I don't know, man. And, the, like, literally the only reason why I'm excited about this, and to be fair, this trailer is not that bad. Wow. I just don't like the way that they edit, like, all the pieces together yeah. to try to make it look, like, seem like the, oh, my God moment, you know? But, like, it never lands because it's, like, not, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited about Resident Evil 4 Remake. Cool. Let's stick on Resident Evil news real quick. And this was one that I tweeted about I was really excited about. And when they announced Village way back in the day, uh, or even after 7 came out, I believe, they came out and said that the next Resident Evil game was going to be VR capable. And it never fucking happened. And I was, like, really disappointed. So they also announced that Resident Evil Village is in development for PSVR 2, and it promises to be even more immersive. So my question is, if you bought Resident Evil 7, you automatically got the VR version. It was free. Um, regardless, I'm excited for this. Jake, you haven't played Village, and I'm still willing to lend you my copy because I have the disc version. But uh, I am so excited for this. Now, it won't be the same true experience that I had with Resident Evil 7 because when I played Resident Evil 7, my first playthrough was VR the entire way through. So I had no idea about the jump scares. I didn't know where the th- what was going to happen to me. I felt really vulnerable. Now, playing Village through a second time of VR, I think would be really awesome. So I'm real excited for this. Do you have any opinion on this? I know you're interested in VR too at this point. Is this something that you could see yourself playing or getting into? I'd probably want to play the game regular first before I play it in VR. Yeah. Just because I... I as much as I think VR is awesome, I still feel like it's uh this is my personal opinion, not a reflection of what everybody else thinks. I still think that now I don't know what PSVR 2 is going to be like, but I still feel like playing a game in VR is the inferior way to play it in terms of like feel and mm. experience like just like like overall experience now if you want to talk about immersion or scariness or fucking you know stuff like that then yeah i i totally agree that resident evil 7 in vr is scarier than resident evil 7 not in vr it's just because of the way that the headset immerses it's you in scary. the game but the game in my opinion which this is going to not really make sense. But in my opinion, it seems to me that playing Resident Evil 7 in VR objectively feels worse 
than playing it not in VR. Mm. Just because the controls and everything, it in like the way that your head moves, we haven't mastered that yet. So I'm hoping that with this new Resident Evil and the new VR and everything, because there's other VR games that we're going to get to where it seems like a lot of first-person control and free movement and stuff, and that has always been an issue with VR in terms of motion sickness and all this stuff. So I'm really interested to see if they're able to kind of make this game control in a way that really defines it as almost like the definitive way to play it. My gut tells me that just because the game was developed to not be in VR and then they're making it in VR, it probably, the the original version will probably still be like the superior version. But on some games that are developed from the ground up, like Call of the Mountain, I'm hopeful that some of these new games, and it seems like, you know, some of these VR games, like the the heist one and everything, they're they're really getting pretty good at yeah, that. I will really say, good. yeah, one last thing I will say about this game is that the more I hear it, and this is just me being crotchety, the more I hear it, the more I hate the name Resident Evil Village. <laughs> I just wish they'd have fucking called it Resident Evil 8. I don't know why. I mean, maybe they're starting a new thing where they're just going to like try yeah. and make, you know, what's the next one going to be? You know, how many fucking L's and I's can you can you put in a name? Like, like, cause the next one, like the next one is Resident Evil 9, which Roman numeral IX. How are they going to do that creatively? Like, they're going to like, like, hex, like something hex. Like, they could make it like, you know, make up a word like Ixion or something. Some, I don't fucking know. Resident Evil but like, first hex. But you, but you get what I mean where it's almost like like they they said Resident Evil 7 and then they're like Resident Evil it's Resident Evil 8 but it's they're calling it Resident Evil Village right. and then the next one is almost certainly just going to be Resident Evil 9 because it's going to be hard unless they just take a hard left turn and they're like Resident Evil colon blank, and it's the ninth entry. So I I don't know. Like it's a it's a really like I said, this is just me being crotchety, sure. but like it feels like it's a it's like a weird sort of diversion because they did that. I don't know. Like I think it's clever that they did that, but I feel like it. Like maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the next one is just going to be Resident Resident Evil Nine, and who gives a shit? But like. They they made it now where everyone is calling this game Resident Evil Village. They're not calling it Resident Evil 8. So it almost seems like Resident Evil Village is not a core Resident Evil game. Like from the outsider's perspective. Right. So, but it is. Uh, it is. But it's, it is. It's a, it's a mainline Resident Evil game. And it's really good. Let me just walk back a little bit on what you were saying just to revisit it. Uh, as far as the VR functionality of Resident Evil 7 and 8, or Village, rather, I thought of all the VR games that I've played, now it might have been time and place, it might have been uh, just the mood I was in, it may have been the fact that I was just so so enamored by the VR and being in a full-blown game, but I thought Resident Evil 7 in VR was just so good good the way they handled it and I think maybe it's because they didn't do this thing where like 
you move your arms and like, okay, now I can move my guns like this. And now if you were watching the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like, no, it just it played like a fucking joystick game. And you could use your head for where the reticule would go. And you would go like this. And that's where you would essentially aim. So wherever you looked was where you would shoot. Boom, 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 boom. But the button would stay the same. And you didn't have to use the R stick to look around. You just used your head. So to me, like once you, once you get rid of the field of view thing to keep you from – you know, vomiting or whatever because of the motion sickness. If once you got used to it and you put the time in, like man, I think that's the best way to do these VR games. And I I, sw- I swear that that is the best experience. Even over Blood and Truth, which was like an on rails game, but you had the motion controller, so you had the two guns. You're bam, 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 and you could reload. It just didn't execute well like that. So I think sticking to the controller. Because the input is going to be matter of fact. You're never going to miss a reload. You're never going to reach for something and not find it because the camera's not tracking, right? It's always going to be there on the controller. But you're in this 360-degree world. You're just surrounded by it, and it's so atmospheric, and it's so scary. When the lights go out and the candles get blown out, in the VR headset, it's just complete darkness. And you can hear the sounds, and you're in this world. You're down in the basement. You're like going into an attic, or you're something's chasing you. And uh, that's all you need. Like, you don't need the fancy bells and whistles of VR. You just want to be in that space with all the characters. And I think that they handled it really well with Seven. In fact, so much of that, that is still my hands-down favorite VR experience was Seven in VR. Better than Blood and Truth for me. I, I will say the Thumper was fucking fantastic. But... We can have a whole VR podcast at some point, but I, I mean, Thumper is right up there. Tetris Effect was fine in VR. It didn't blow my socks off like a lot of people. It was fine. But uh, as far as actual straight-up VR experience, Resident Evil 7, man, it fucking blew my mind because, like, you're in a full-on game. You're in it, and it's not abbreviated, and they didn't take any fucking shortcuts it's a full Resident Evil game of VR, and it looked good, and it felt good, and it was smooth. Now, I toyed with the options menu a bit to get the mobility and stuff to feel natural and feel right for me. But uh, once I got it locked down, dude, I oof, it was so it was so good. And there were days where I put the headset on. I'm going to go a little further, but because I'd never played the game before, like I kind of chickened out. I'd, I'd I'd be in that world for like five ten minutes, like ah, I don't have it in me tonight. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to that place yet. I'm gonna wait, you know, because the game forces you into these scary situations, and it's and it's so. I don't know. That's just my my hot take on it. But I know exactly what you're talking about, because yeah, they they got to figure out the mobility a little better in these VR games, you know, because we don't want games on rails, and I think Horizon might be that new Horizon game. It seems like it could mm-hmm. be. It could be on rails. Blood and Truth was, and it worked fine, but I want free motion. That's why I like the cockpit games, like the like the Squadrons game in VR. That was fantastic. You could just fly your, your freaking X-Wing wherever you wanted, and you just felt like you were in that world. When you're on rails, it takes a bit of that immersiveness out. So they got to find a way to do it and make it work right. I agree with you. But I think they were – the way they handled Seven, I was really impressed. It just worked. Um, it wasn't gimmicky at all, and, and that's what I appreciated about it, I think. But anyways, it's the next news point, Jake. 
what do we got here? Um, Street Fighter Six has been fully revealed. Um, this is from Push Square. The first details on new fighters are coming to its roster. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff. The one thing about this trailer, two things that stuck out to me about Street Fighter Six. Three things. Number one, I hate the new logo. Hate it. I hate the logo. It's stupid. It doesn't even feel... It's pretty bad. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like Street Fighter. Um, the second thing I noticed, uh, the graphics of the actual fighting, um, the matches one-on-one were fantastic. They looked so good. And I like that, like, there wasn't, like, blood, and it was, like, the old Street Fighter thing where, like, it was just, like, colors. It would, when you hit people, colors, it looked really cool. So the art direction, I like that. But they also had this open world part um, that really was kind of weird, and I don't understand what that is because the graphics of that were just terrible. They looked awful. The animation looked terrible. Everything about the open world part for the Street Fighter Six game looked just terrible. You're like on the street and you're just walking around like you're Rocky or something. Like I don't know if that's just like part of the online community or if that's like part of the game. I don't know what it was. They didn't really explain it. Jake? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I I would like to care. But unfortunately, I just can't do these games anymore. They look like the actual combat looks so fucking cool. Yeah. But I can't learn to play them anymore. Yeah. And I, so unfortunately these games are not for me. I hope people like it. Cause I know there's been some kind of talk, some kind of rumblings that, you know, street fighter might not be all that anymore. And so, and it sounds like maybe they're adding some like hub world shit now. And you know, some, I maybe this looks like maybe even some like open world encounter stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't really know what this is about. I'd like to see more, but who knows? I guess we'll find out. Maybe you can create your own fighter, which <laughs> would be kind of neat. I guess. Um, I mean, that seems a little weird. But but yeah. For street fighter. That's bizarre. Like you would think that would be like a street fighter spinoff game or something like that, but for sure, I don't know. Um, I, I don't really I also don't really love the new aesthetic of the Street Fighter games mm. starting with Street Fighter 4 I Maybe. think was when they started making the characters look like fucking giant boxes and you know with huge like anatomically weird like chests and muscles and stuff <laughs> and I'm not talking about like the girls having big boobs I'm talking about like Ryu looking like a fucking semi truck so um yeah, I don't know. I I I'm excited for Street Street Fighter fans, but this game probably isn't for me. Fair enough. I love the Street Fighter franchise. I'm not super into it, but I love it. Um, meaning I don't buy them all and play them all, but I really near and dear to me the Street Fighter franchise. I love playing it in the arcades. Um, it was always fun. Uh, moving on, Final Fantasy 16 was was kind of shown. It's going to launch in 2023. It's going to come out in 2023 to summer. Um, we get a new trailer at the state of play and we also, uh, um, got some more story and gameplay details. I would think this is probably the biggest announcement at the state of play where we got to see more Final Fantasy, uh, 16 and, uh, it, it does seem that the director for this game has come out and said that this game at this point, like right now is playable from beginning to end. And I will say that the graphics look fantastic in this game. Um, but I don't know much more else about it. I, I didn't even play the seven remake game, and I, you know, I think the last Final Fantasy game I played was ten, 
or ten two, one of those. Uh, I don't know which one it was, but I played one of those recently because I bought the the double pack or whatever. It must have been ten then. I don't think I played ten two. I think I started ten two, but I just couldn't get into it. Jake, anything about Final Fantasy sixteen? It looks awesome. I don't know. I mean, it looks really good. I I did play Final Fantasy seven remake, and it was fucking awesome. And so. I'm hoping that this game is equally as awesome. It like visually looks great. I'm kind of confused. And this might be just another one of those things like I mentioned earlier about how strange Japanese video game trailers are, but like they were like emphasizing the summons in this game. And I'm not really sure if that's relevant to the story somehow, or if it's just them just confirming that they're in the game or what but it was when they they had all the the names of all the summons come up on the screen like ifrit and shiva and and all of that and they they did and, and a lot of what you saw in the trailer were the summons like casting their their classic uh abilities like sh- like shiva casting diamond dust is like that's classic final fantasy so I'm a little bit confused by that, but overall it looks really great and I am pretty excited to see it's they say it's going to come out next summer and so we got like probably a year to wait for it if it doesn't get delayed which is at this point probably likely just because of the way of the world, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, it looks great. Everybody is jazzed about this from what I could tell from the comments and stuff I've been reading online. Everyone's just like, yeah, take my money. 10 out of 10. Totally. Dude, the, the combat, the combat in Final Fantasy VII Remake, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but I ended up really enjoying it. That's so That's if they kind of mold that in with maybe some tweaks for this game, mm-hmm. and it looks kind of like that's what they're doing, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Well, moving forward, Jake, another thing announced at the State of Play that we just got from Sony uh, is that Horizon Forbidden West got a new update, which is live. It's live now. Now, me personally, I have zero interest in going back to this game right now. I'm so over open world games, even though I'm playing GTA Five online, but I am totally over them right now for the time being. But Because I know I'm going to jump right back into Mass Effect 2. And uh, Anyways, first and foremost, the big update adds uh, a new game plus mode. Um, you can play the game from beginning to end uh, using all of your uh, gear you got from your first playthrough. And according to Push Square, the patch also improves visual fidelity of the game's performance mode. It adds the ability to transmog outfits. I don't even know what that means. Um, it means you can take an, out, an outfit, like let's say there's an armor that you like, but you don't like the way that it looks. Oh, you can, you change, can change the appearance. Change the look. Yeah. It also introduces the option to redistribute your skill points and throws in extra hard mode for good measure. And then they say that uh, the big bonus is that there are new weapons to find as well um, and a handful of new trophies that you can unlock. So pretty beefy update for Horizon Forbidden West. Again, I this game took up so much of my life and uh, unexpectedly, I should have expected it or anticipated it. I'm just done with this game for now. I'm so excited that they're still supporting it because it's a fantastic game. It's just I'm not jumping into this anytime soon. The guy I work with said that he's already as soon as they announced this, he's like, I started up New Game Plus on the extra hard mode because I can't wait. And I'm like, dude, you're fucking out of control. It's cool that people are really into it. To me, 
this doesn't seem like worthy of a state of play slot, but there, I, I mean, it doesn't really seem like there's anything here. Like New Game Plus, okay, that's you know, like New Game Plus and extra hard mode. Those that's like a blog post. I mean, I don't know why you would need to have like this big fucking three minute trailer well, about it. Champion their baby, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, great. I mean, all this stuff is just like I'm gonna be honest. Like all this stuff is just shit that I expected them to do. Like, none of this is me being like, oh, my God, they're adding that? It's like, no. Every single time Sony releases a game, a few months later, they release New Game Plus mode in an update. It just happens every single Mm. time they do a fucking uh, 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 first-party game, for the most part. Um, Extra hard mode, that's also standard procedure now. Uh, You know, you're talking about probably the coolest thing in this entire fucking – in this entire thing – is the ability to find new weapons is cool and the honestly for me i think the ability to transmog your outfits is dope too because horizon has a specifically it specifically has a unique style to the armor and stuff in the game it's all based around the different tribal cultural styles and everything so there have been a couple times where I like the look of one armor, but I fucking hate the stats that it has. And then I look at another armor and I I love the stats, but I really don't care for the look all that much. And I wish I could just like flop them. And that's something that I'm always into. I do that shit all the time, like especially in games like Diablo 3 and stuff like that. I, I do it a lot. So it's cool that they're adding that for sure. Yeah, I I'm going to be honest. I never... Never looked at the stats of my armor when I played Horizon Forbidden West. I just fucking wore whatever. Really? Never paid attention to them. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, never paid attention to them. Probably should have. Because it's like some of them are kind of important. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't affect me. I guess. Or maybe it hmm. did, and it didn't matter. I, I don't know. I just wore whatever I thought looked cool. Um, that's so funny. Fair enough. Yeah, it's stupid of me, but I guess where I was at the, in the moment, you know, I don't know. Uh, speaking of Horizon, we got a longer glimpse and new gameplay details from the PSVR 2 exclusive Horizon Call of the Mountain. We've already kind of talked about this already, so we don't need to say much more about it. Um, it's fine. They showed some of the combat, the bow and arrow mechanics using the two controllers. You know, I don't really have much else to say about it. I'm curious. I'm more so curious about the actual new VR controllers that Sony's cooking up and how those feel. More so, it made me think more about the hardware than than what they're showing in the game. Honestly, yeah. The only thing that I that, that really is a question mark for me. I mean, it looks great. There's nothing really bad thing bad to say about it. The only thing that kind of is of question to me is is this game on rails or is it not? That's the only thing that they didn't really answer with the trailer. So it does look kind of like you're doing some movement, like you're climbing ladders and you're doing this and you're doing that. But is it that just like you're pointing and clicking and then you walk over to that area and then you do like the motions to climb the ladder? Or is it like, oh, I'm actually holding, you know, like you would with a regular controller. But I don't know. But the game looks good. And I think it will be something that if VR2 looks as good as we expect it's going to based on the statistics of the hardware, 
I think that this game is going to be a pretty fucking dope immersive experience. Being like in the world with these huge robot dinosaurs. Imagine seeing a tall neck in VR, dude. Yeah, I think it could be could be pretty freaking cool to be honest. Maybe you can get on one of the the sun wings and fly them around or or whatever. Like it could be pretty neat. All I know is whatever whatever game it was, Battle uh, Star Wars. Was it Star Wars Battlefront? Star Wars, what was the bat? What was Squadrons? No, no, the other Star Wars game. It was like uh, it was like Battlefield, but it was Star Wars for a while. Oh, Battlefront. Yeah, so Battlefront had that VR mission, and in the beginning of the VR mission, uh, ATAT walks by or at at whatever you want to call it, and you're in VR, and just the scale was just jaw dropping. You're like, oh my god, this thing's fucking massive, and like you don't yeah. really realize that's something that you lose on a flat screen that you get in VR. So seeing a tall neck and those machines, I think it's gonna look awesome in VR. I think you're 100 right. I think there's they're onto something there. And um, a lot of things that people don't think about until you put the headset on, you get to experience it. So speaking of VR2, a lot of, lot of software for VR2. Uh, four releases were announced. New weapons, bigger threats, uh, according to Push Square, are promised. Walking Dead, Saint Sinners. Saint Sinners Chapter 2, Retribution. Um, I didn't play the first one, but I guess that there, it was very... Uh, uh, immersive, like pulling hatchets out of people's brains and stuff, and like using the hand-to-hand combat. I guess was really, really interesting and um, pretty, pretty cool if that's your thing. And I guess the first Walking Dead VR game, Saints and Sinners, did really well. So this is Chapter Two. It's been announced for PSVR Two, so that's exciting. Um, I have nothing else to offer. I never played, never played the first one, but it looked cool. Jake. Saints and Sinners, I, I never played the first one either, but I've heard good things about it. So I'm excited for the uh, the new game because this one actually looks pretty neat. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how it actually unfolds. Honestly, a lot of this stuff is really tentative excitement until I actually get my hands on the hardware and see how it looks and feels. Yeah. Because all of this stuff could look awesome in trailers, and then when you get into the headset, it's like, oh, well, this doesn't really feel that great, or it doesn't look that great, or you know, the it feels weird visually or something. I, I don't know. Like, uh, But based on the trailer, I'd say it looks pretty cool. Yeah. And also, VR2, No Man's Sky is going to get a PSVR2 version. It just looks like essentially what we already have for No Man's Sky and PSVR, except it's just for PSVR2. They're saying it's going to be compatible with VR2. I don't think they're really doing anything, maybe upping the the res, the fidelity, but I don't know. Like you said, not a whole lot to say about that. But the one thing that is really interesting and how fitting, because I see your cat in the background, is uh, Stray, that indie game. Uh, It's launching in July, and it's going to be part of PlayStation Plus. I think this is good news. I think this game is going to be good. It's not a game I was planning on buying, but it's a game I will surely play if I get it. So To be clear, we're talking about the new PlayStation right. Plus, and you have to have the, the extra, the medium or top tiers. It's not going to be a part of the essential tier. So if you want to play this game on PS Plus, you have to upgrade to one of the higher tiers. You can't have the basic version right. of it. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I've always kind of wanted to play this game, 
But now that it's going to be on PS Plus Extra and and Premium, I'm for sure going to play it. It's almost it. incentive stoked. to get Extra. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I'm going to try it for sure. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about that for, for sure. And then Marvel Spider-Man, it's coming to PC. People were thinking there might be new Spider-Man stuff, but no, it's just getting going to PC. Nothing special about that. And then there's a game called Roller Drome, and I thought it looked really, really cool. It's by the people who make Ollie Ollie. It looks awesome. This game looks so cool, and the graphic style is really cool. I just don't know if it's going to be uh, an online shooter thing or if it's going to be single player, and that's kind of where I'm hung up on it. So I don't know. It looks neat. I don't know. I, I, I personally didn't really care for it all that much, but I it really boils down to how it plays. I mean, it could be one of those games that like plays really great, and it's really fun. But if it doesn't play really great and it, and, or it doesn't feel really good, then – or if it's like an online-only thing or something like that, then it's probably not going to be for me. But – and also the name bothers me. Roller I've got drum? a real problem with names. Yeah. I think it's because of – it's just the R in Drome. You think it should Instead be called Roller it, Dome. I think that I don't know if that even makes sense based on the world or whatever. But like, what the fuck is a drome? D R O M E. I don't know, like a palin palindrome. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm fucking. I'm gonna Google drome. 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 Oh, denoting a place for running or racing. There you go. So it it makes sense. I apologize. I still don't like the way that it feels when I say it, but. <laughs> It makes sense as a video game. I like the art. I don't style. love. The, I don't. I, I know. I know you. I know you do, but I don't really like the art style, dude. I love it. Um. So I. I like honestly. It like hand drawn like, in like bitmap or in like. Paint. I didn't like the art style of the game whenever I was watching the trailer, but I loved the fucking like poster that they put up at the end of the trailer, talking about the like with uh, the like release date or whatever. Yeah, it looks very eighties. Yeah. So. It's it's pretty pretty interesting yeah. for sure. It looks cool to me. Um, moving forward, uh, the Callisto Protocol. Uh, we got a gameplay debut from them, and my question is: Is this does this game a nod to Dead Space? And on top of that, with Dead Space getting remade, does the Callisto Protocol really even stand a chance if they're released around the same time? Um, that's interesting. I think that this game looks fucking awesome. And I don't know. I mean, if you th- like if you're talking about a third person survival horror game in a sci-fi setting, is it a nod to Dead Space? Like I guess all of them are. Right. But but like you know, whether or not it was intentionally done so, I don't know. Um, Could just be like a love in, letter, you know what I mean? Like one of those things. Yeah, with regard to whether or not there's going to be a collision of market share when it comes to Dead Space Remake, I don't know. That's that's a really interesting thought. I guess we need to know a little bit more about the Callista Protocol. I think it's probably different enough that it would be fine as long as they didn't come out like literally the same week. Mm. But if the Callista protocol comes out, you know, a few months or six months before, after dead space remake, I don't think that there's really going to be an issue there. Yeah. Um, but I, I just feel like 
it looks like it visually looks really cool. So I want to kind of see a little bit more. To me, it looks it looks like a setting is kind of similar to Dead Space, but maybe the like the the enemies. I, I don't know, man. It, it's it looks really good though. I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it looks good to me. I we can use more outer space games, dude. I'm into it. We've got a few more topics real quick to discuss about the state of play, and we're going to take one more quick break, Jake, and come back to finish up the news, and then we'll let the listeners go for the week. But there's a there's a game that looks kind of like an indie game, and uh, it's called Season, A Letter to the Future. And parts of this kind of remind like it was like, man, I have in the notes here, like, did Wes Anderson make a video game? Like, it was really weird... Uh, styling like you know you're just holding like a microphone out and recording fucking sounds and it reminded me so much of like the life aquatic with Steve Zissou or something with him being like a field field explorer like an oceanic explorer um, excuse me but it's it's uh, pretty pretty cool looking I and I, I don't know if you're a paper boy paper girl but you're riding a bicycle around um, the world seems pretty open. It seems kind of flowing, kind of like f- how flower felt. I think it looks like how flower feels when you're riding the bike. I, I don't know. I didn't. I, mean, I knew nothing about this game. Do you have an opinion about this? Does it look interesting to you? I. It's one of those games that I'm glad it's being made because I appreciate it. But I don't know that I have room in my heart for games like this anymore. Yeah. It's just, unless it comes out and everybody's like, 10 out of 10, this game will literally make you shit your pants and cry your eyes out, and it's the best thing that anybody's ever made. I have a hard, or, or like if there's more information comes out about it that, you know, really make it seem like it's something that I need to play. I'm not like, it's really hard for me to spend the little time I have playing video games. It's hard for me to like want to, do some of these more artsy games. I was actually watching the state of play and uh, Sarah was sitting on the couch with me when we were, when I was watching it and the, the trailer for this game came up and she was like, that seems like a really artsy fartsy game. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really does. I mean, cause it, the graphics look really cool and I love the way that it looks when she's like riding the bike through the wilderness and stuff like that seems really neat. Yeah. But I just don't know if I really want to do the whole, like, documentation part of it. You know what I mean? I, I need to know more, I guess is what I'm so saying. So it says on the PlayStation blog real quick, and we've got about two minutes uh, until we have to reset our video chat. But it says, your time spent with other people is crucial. You help them through moments of quiet crisis. In their lives, the change coming to the world is not abstract. It is immediate. They're trying to navigate, to survive, to find a way to live. You help them. You remember them. The choices you make reverberate, and the importance of what you're doing becomes increasingly tangible. Showing your recordings to these characters you meet can also yield useful pieces of information or a moment of connection. And you keep like a journal. Um, It's a letter to the future where you assemble fragments of the season into a whole. Uh, Through snapshots and recordings, you build evolving expression of your own perspective on what you've seen and done on your trip. Via the act of recording, your exploration and investigations are rewarded throughout the story in surprising ways. And then it says you can feel the terrain under your tires as you ride the bike, uh, feel the, the triggers and you go uphill. And then at the very end, it just says uh, your quest leads you to know, uh, leads you to know the world of season 
as you search for meaning for yourself and for the reader of your journal. You do your best to answer the big questions. What is this season and why is it ending? You're right. It's super artsy fartsy. So in all of that talking, it didn't tell me at all what the game is. Like I yeah. still have no fucking clue what it is. But uh, yeah, I don't Maybe know. It's the next journey. I don't know. It looks kind of neat, man. I don't know. It's a surprise. Came out of left field. Two more real quick, Jake. We have less than a minute on the call. Tunic's coming to PlayStation later this year. This game's already out. It did really well. And then there's a dating sim um, that's also kind of an adventure game called Eternites. And... Uh, I have nothing specific about those. So let's let's join back in, Jake. If you have something else you want to say about those two games, let's do that when you come back on the call. And, uh, to, uh, my understanding is that Tunic is fucking great. Yeah. So I'm glad that it's available for PlayStation users to be able to play. It. I guess it's pretty hard. I really want to play it, but the thing that is really driving me away from it is this whole thing where you have to like figure out the game without being able to read anything. I don't know if you know anything about this. The game is literally like all the instructions on what you need to do and like how you get around and how you solve puzzles and all this stuff. It's like it brings up these digital they look like old school like Nintendo game manuals. And it's awesome. The artwork is so cool, but all of the text is in a made up fucking language that nobody knows and you have to just kind of figure it out. And so it's probably more intuitive and maybe not as difficult as like I'm lending it to believe, but that's like a, that's that like if that is a major component of the game, that is something that I really don't want to do just to be able to play play this like Zelda like kind of game. Just you put know, Sarah I, like, on that. Like that's right up her alley. She might really like something like that. Just have but her do I, th- that I think. A, but I think a lot of it has to do with um, you know you might be able to find. Uh, stuff that like unlocks like what those fucking words mean i i don't know i mean maybe you just need to like symbolically understand what's going on we'll have to see but it does look really great and it you know it's available if you do have an xbox it is available on game pass excuse me um with regard to eternites uh that is the worst fucking video game name i've ever heard i mean it's like when we first heard about Returnal, and I talked about how much I hated the name Returnal because how it smashed those two fucking words together. It's not even remotely as bad as Eternite. Couldn't they just call this game Eternal Nights? That would be so much better. Yeah, there might already be a video game or something called Eternal Nights. That's why they Which didn't do that. Which is a fucking that, great name for a game, by the way. Was yeah, so I much mean, better. I think that's I think that's so much better. I agree with you. <laughs> um, even if they like, you know, changed it. With like a put like a K in there or something, um, but uh, this game is one of those games where like it's it's like I said before about the whole Japanese game trailer thing. Like I might love this fucking game, but I have no idea based on this stupid trailer. I have no idea. It's like just a bunch of like flashy anime shit with some dialogue that just like. Maybe when it's delivered in Japanese in context, it, it like makes a lot of sense from like a trailer delivery perspective. But when I'm listening to like the the localized version of it, it just like it comes across as very like B movie and like campy and just like weird. And then there's these like 
anime sections with like girls blushing and shit and i'm just like okay like i'm fine with dating sims i'm fine with like these anime action games i think some of them are really good but i have no idea based on this trailer if i'm gonna fucking like this game or if it's gonna be something that's just that's not up my alley but right at this point if i if i have to judge it right now if someone's like are you gonna play this game i'm gonna say no and the reason is because of the fucking name has nothing to do with the trailer. I'm with you on the name on this one. Maybe not so much on <laughs> Rollerdrome. I think Rollerdrome is fine. It is a little difficult to pronounce the R's. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I have no care about Eternites. Is it Eternites? Is it Eternites? Is it e- Eternites? I don't know. I, I don't know where to put the enunciation. And it's difficult to put it in any of those three spots. So... yeah. I don't know, buddy. All right, let's talk a little bit about the news, Jake. Evo, Sony, Epic, apparently are all joining forces to better input lag um, for fighting games. And uh, that's fine. That's good. I think it's a good cause. I think it's a good journey to take. But I don't think that most of us care that's great for the hardcore fighting people that are like really, really into the quadruple milliseconds. Um, you know, they're shaving off for the lag for online game comp- competitions, fighting. I get it. It's important, but I dude, don't it's know. crazy. Like the fighting game community, if you really look into it, like they're one of the only communities that give a shit about how the online component of a video game is actually programmed yeah like they they care about how it's programmed because depending on how they do it it really affects their 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 uh their combo reaction juggling yeah latency it's it's insane so basically like the whole thing is now is with rollback netcode and if you don't have that like like fighting game enthusiasts just don't want to fucking play your game because it just doesn't perform as well if you've got even remotely even any kind of remote lag to your game at all so it's cool that sony's doing this and i guess since they have evo it it makes sense that they would want to to sort of make it better propel propel the industry forward in that regard i mean i i personally don't care but i think it's a good cause like i said a good gesture but this is something I mean if they if they if they are able to figure this out that this might be a technology that they could utilize in other online games. I don't know. I don't know either. Moving forward, Devolver Digital apparently has a direct that is scheduled for well, maybe the day that you're listening to this, the 9th of June. And uh, I've never watched a Devolver Direct. Uh, but based on the trailer for this thing, it's actually ridiculous. There's a disclaimer when you power it up saying this video contains like explicit language. And I don't know if you saw this trailer for the direct, but it's absolutely hilarious. And I don't know. It just must be how these guys roll. This 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 team rolls, Devolver. And uh, if anything, I think it's going to be amusing. Dude, a lot of their games are fucking mature as hell. So, I mean, think about, like, Hotline Miami and shit. Yeah. So, I am not surprised if they put a disclaimer out there for their for their direct... Excuse me. 
But uh, Devolver Digital makes fucking... They, they publish awesome games. I mean, they're not all for me, and I would say even a majority of them are probably not for me. But I think that every almost everything that they publish is good for the industry. That's just my opinion. Well, don't give us your opinion, man. Tell us, tell us a fact. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, all right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so maybe tune into that. Maybe we'll get some cool news. The PS Plus games for PS5 and PS4 were announced for June 2022. And we're going to get God of War. We're getting Naruto to Baruto, Shinobi Striker, and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. So this leaves us in a situation, Jake. We have to pick a game. Every month, Jake and I will pick a game that's coming out on PlayStation Plus, and we're going to play it for as long as we want to, and then we're going to talk about it on the final show that month. So we've already played God of War, so that's not going to happen. So it's between Naruto to Baruto, Shinobi Striker, or Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Um, All-Star Brawl is probably like a PS... If, if it's up to me... Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably pick the Nickelodeon one just because I think it might be more entertaining just from a... From a, a you know, like an IP perspective. And I think that it might have like a better Metacritic score and stuff. So let's do it. Nickelodeon all-star brawl. Yeah. All right. That's what we're playing, which means you might have to get online, bud. I don't I'm sure there's a single player. Component, there but we'll see. But I did hear that Doug is not featured in this game for some reason. What? Yeah. I want to fucking beat the shit out of SpongeBob with Doug. <laughs> Apparently Doug's not a part of it from what I've read. Rocco's in it. Yeah, Doug is strangely absent from this game. But, all right, so our PlayStation Plus game for June is going to be Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Make sure you download it and play it, and then you can join into our conversation. Tell us what you think about it. PS is awesome at gmail.com. Moving forward, BioWare's upcoming Dragon Age game got an official title. It's called Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Uh, also kind of a stupid name, but mm-hmm. better than Rollerdrome. And better than Naruto to Baruto. <laughs> yeah. Shinobi Striker. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't really care about Dragon Why don't I just fucking call it Dragon Age 4? Like, I don't understand. Whatever. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure the game's going to be fine. It'll be okay, I'm sure maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a... Right now. Maybe there's a, a fucking... Uh, like there's a serious implication for the name within the game. I would certainly hope so, uh, but I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. It is. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is getting a trailer today, actually. June 8th, as we record. The game is set to release in October 28th of 2022. Um, this is one of the few scenarios where the release of this game was announced before we even got a trailer. And uh, we finally have a trailer for it. June 8th is not today. Today's it's two days from now. Today's not the 8th? What's today? Today's the 6th. Oh, my watch. Yeah, sorry. It looked like an 8th to me. I've got an analog watch. The 6th looked like an 8th. So, yeah, a couple days. Either way, either way, cool yeah. for the Call of Duty fans out there. Dude, Call of Duty trailer, dude. Rip it up. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. I mean, I I never played the, the new Modern Warfare, not the Modern Warfare remaster remake but the new modern the latest one 
the latest game that they called Modern Warfare. Um, but I heard it's all right. Yeah. So, and I used to love all the campaigns for the Call of Duty game. So, mm. I'm not going to pay fucking seventy dollars for this game. But if they were to ever get smart and fucking sell me the campaign for twenty or thirty bucks, mm. I'd love to play it. Yeah. Well, Jake, this one, hold on to your socks because they're about to get the boat. They're about to get blown off. Don't nod has rebranded themselves as Don't Nod. <laughs> so the way they spell it is D-O-N-T-N-O-D, one word. They've now changed it to D-O-N apostrophe T space N-O-D. Um, That's fucking stupid. The original way that they spelled it was awesome because it was an anagram. Yeah. And now it's just a dumb name. I didn't even realize it was an anagram. That's a good point. Oh, this makes me so fucking mad, Fred. I don't know why they did this. this. Whole po- this whole podcast has been about how stupid names are. This makes me so fucking mad. And it has nothing to do with their games or anything. I love Life is Strange and all that. but like, I didn't even realize it was an anagram until you said that. Oh, God, why would, you, why would you do that? Yeah, there's, now you're gonna have a, a fucking. Now you're going to have a compound word in your official business name? Their name was their logo, for crying out loud, and now they're fucking with it. Oh, my God, Fred. I, I, this is literally the first time I'm hearing about this. This is so annoying to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I told you going to knock Continue. your socks off. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's still don't nod, but it's not don't nod. Don't <sighs> not don't nod. <laughs> I'm done. I'm so done today. I'm so tired, dude. I golfed nine holes today after work. I worked all day. I'm like on my last leg. I'm going to pass out. I'm so tired. Knockout City is free to play now on PlayStation. I don't even care. I'm sure it's fine. And as a reminder, Summer Game Fest is on June 9th, 2022. So that's coming up as well. That is the day that it's Friday, I think. Right? Yeah. The day after Call of Duty is getting its Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So this is exciting. Um, I don't necessarily need to see anything. I guess Jeff Keeley came out and said, hey, temper your expectations. You guys need to be reasonable about what you expect to see at this thing. Um, but over 30 developers and publishers were confirmed for the Summer Game Fest um, per push square. Yeah, he's probably come out and said, like, temper your expectations. It's going to be 90 minutes of ads with 30 minutes of gameplay trailers you don't give a shit about. So 2K, Activision, Atlas, Bandai Namco, Bloober Team, Capcom, Coffee Strain, Deep Silver, Devolver, Digital Extremes, Emu, EA, Epic Games, Focus Entertainment, Frost Giant Games, Humble Games, Level Infinite, Mediatonic, MyHoYo, Netflix, uh, PlayStation, Raw Fury, Samsung Gaming Hub, Sega, Square Enix, Skybound Games, Steam, Studio, MDHR, Tribeca Festival, Warner Brothers Games, and Xbox. More partners will be announced between now and the Summer Game Fest kickoff show on the 9th. This was via Push Square. Um, I guess there's still Resident Evil Village DLC that needs to be released, which is interesting. I didn't realize that they said that that was going to happen, but according to Push Square, they're saying, hey, is that going to happen here? I don't know. But, yeah, a lot of developers and publishers, I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. I I guess what we'll it's See. That one studio you mentioned, Blooper Team, is supposedly this one of the studios that's going to be working on Silent Hill. So um, maybe we'll hear something about that. I don't know. It, it's cool. I always like these because I, but I will never watch one of these one of these Jeff Keighley conferences live. I just I can't fucking because they're deal ten with the hours. Ads. 
uh, yeah, and then it's just ads and ads and ads and ads for for fucking Verizon and you know Monster like and all shit. YouTube, it's just man, like okay, I'll, I'll wait until it's over and then I'll like watch all the video game trailers individually. Um, but that said, I am excited to see what actually comes out of Summer Game Fest, and I think it's probably maybe there's something coming after it, but it will culminate probably with the xbox bethesda showcase which is on sunday so there might be some stuff in that as well that is relevant to playstation because it's not gonna probably be entirely exclusive games there might be some third-party stuff in there as well so that's something to be paid attention to i mean i'll pay attention to it because i also have an xbox but i there there could be some stuff in there that is also going to be released on playstation i would love this is kind of an aside, but I would love to get a new Strider game or to get a new um, Bionic Commando game. Mm. Those are two franchises that have like done well with remakes, releases, newer versions that we haven't seen anything from in a long time. And I would even take it a step further and say I would love to see Housemark do a Strider game. That would be fucking ripping awesome. The the Strider 2D platformer on PS3 was so good. So good. Yeah, it would be kind of cool for them to do something like that, but, like, give it that sort of arcade flair. Yeah, dude. Where you're, like, you know, dodging projectile patterns and going for score and stuff like that. It could be actually really neat. It's like an old indie title, beloved franchise by few, but it's something that... I think could live in this current game environment for sure. A game like that, either of those strider or bionic commando, but anyways, I don't want a 3d version of bionic commando. I want like a 2d that's done really well. Same with strider. All right. Want to talk about the new games coming out this week, Jake? Do you want to talk about these and then call it a day? Yeah. Jeez. It's so late. It's 10 o'clock, man. I got to be up at six in the morning. All right. New games. June 7th. Spellforce 3, Reforced on PS5. June 8th, Noel, The Mortal Fate on PS4. June 9th, Arcade Archives, Motos, PS4. And Square Keeper on PS5. June 10th, Metal Max, Xeno Reborn on PS4. And The Quarry, PS5, PS4, June 10th, baby. I've got my eye on you. Um, that's all I got for the show notes today, Jake. Uh, I just want th- that's Friday. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's coming up, dude. Uh, I the quarry is something that I might I might purchase. I I want to see I want to see some stuff about it when it comes out, but it looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Might be a nice game to share with the wife, so I'm pretty excited about that. For sure. Well, I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in to episode 226 of PS This Is Awesome. You can always watch our show on YouTube, like I said before. And uh, this has been a little bit longer of a podcast. And I was pretty jazzed when I recorded the exclusive video for the patrons. Gave it to them saying, hey, I can't wait to record 226 and talk about the state of play. In all reality, I'm just absolutely zapped of all power today. I'm just just beat i've been in the sun i've worked all day so if i've come off lackluster it's not because i'm uh disinterested in what we're talking about i'm just my i'm having trouble like physically keeping my eyes open right now and i still have to compile this video for you all um and get it out so we're gonna put it out 
and I hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, Jake, I'm glad you made it back safe from from Nashville. And uh, did you drive? Yeah. Jeez. Did you go with Sarah or did you go by yourself? I rode down with a couple other guys on the team. Well, I'm glad you're back safe. That's a haul. Yeah, we uh, we did a whole lot of driving and a whole lot of hockey and very little sleeping. Jeez. So I know what that was like. Something. Sands the hockey. But it was fun. I, I I I loved almost every minute of it. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Well, I'm glad you're back safe, and I'm glad that we were able to get this podcast in for the listeners and for ourselves. And uh, yeah, the state of play was good overall. Uh, my general impression was I, I enjoyed what they showed. You know, some of it was rehashed stuff that we already knew, but uh, uh, they've had worse state of plays. Any final closing thoughts, Jake, before we tune him out? Nope. I am excited for what's to come, period. <laughs> Dude, such a politician. All right. <laughs> so, like Ghost of Tsushima, Grand Theft Auto V, and God of War. P.S. P.S. This is awesome. This is awesome.